0: It's Wednesday, November 30th at 1.04 p.m., and this is the TDN Writer's Room. I'm your host, Bill Finley. I'm a correspondent with Thoroughbred Daily News.
1: I'm Randy Moss with NBC Sports and the buyer speed figures that is Lucy behind me. No, it's not a stuffed animal. She actually is a, a live, breathing, fun dog when she's not sleeping.
2: I'm sorry, Cameron, XPTV, and First Racing. Uh, Bill, next time we've got to figure out how to get your dog in here too, because Doodle is strategically behind me licking his paw. And I, I can't be responsible for whatever else he does in the show, but by <laughs> right now he's well behaved.
0: Yeah, my, my uh, favorite dog, Penny, is uh, very jealous of, of all the airtime the dogs are getting. I want to remind you also the TDN Writers Room is brought to you each week by Keeneland. And uh, let's get into the weekend racing, guys. It was a big Thanksgiving weekend. The grade one race was on Friday, the Clark at Churchill Nouns. Uh, Two stories here. First of all, the winner, of course, Proxy, trained by Michael Stidham, owned by Godolphin. they just seemed to win everything. But Rich Strike ran last in there. Now, uh, afterwards, the connections came out and said that he had, uh, he was sick in the race. He came out with mucus, et cetera. So it looks like they have a decent excuse. But you know what? It's funny that he's such a polarizing horse. Some people think he's the, you know, the greatest thing ever. Uh, You know, the people's horse, the Kentucky Derby was, you know, one of the greatest events in the history of horse racing. Other people think he's a bum. I think the truth lies somewhere in between. He's a very good horse. Is he the best horse in training? No. Is he up to Epicenter and uh, Taba, the leading three-year-olds in the country? No. But he's going to have his day. He's going to win some more races.
2: And I won't hold this race against him. Zoe, what would you think? I think he's a really cool horse. I I mean... People complain about not seeing horses run. Now, this guy's danced every dance. He does everything that's asked of him. He seems to lay it on the table. If you look at the Breeders' Cup Classic, he ran huge. Every race has been good. Yeah, he had an excuse, but that was his excuse, and they're sticking to it. He gets to stick around for next year as well, which is going to be great. I don't know why more people aren't getting behind this horse and enjoying him For what he is, he is a rock-solid racehorse, and he is the Kentucky Derby winner. And people just love to tear horses and tear people around. Let's embrace him for what he is. He's Rich Strike, and I, for myself, am looking forward to seeing him run next year. He was up there for a while in the race, and he backed out. He had an excuse. Move on.
1: I believe last week I might have said that Rich Strike was finally going to be the favorite in a race. And I believe (laughs) Zoe threw a flag on that and said, what about West Willpower? Zoe was right. West Willpower winds up the favorite over Rich Strike. But what about Proxy, the winner now? A A really good effort by Proxy and notable on several different levels. First of all, as good as Proxy had run in his past, He had never won a stakes race of any kind. His three previous wins had been a maiden race and two allowances, all three at the fairgrounds. So he finally gets a stakes win in a grade one in the Clark uh, and finally gets a win away from the fairgrounds. He also showed a lot more mental maturity in the Clark. One of the things that had so frustrated trainer Mike Sidema by proxy earlier in his career is that he would show some early speed on occasions, and then completely come off the bridle in the middle part of the race and drop back inexplicably. And then he would come on again at the end and get a minor, you know, second, third, fourth place placing. Finally, in the Clark, Joel Rosario had him in the mix. It was a fairly slow pace early. He didn't drop out. He stayed right in there. He stayed focused all the way. And then he kicked through the lane to uh, to run down West Willpower after, after a nice stretch battle there it was a race that was run i think to the benefit of west willpower given the pace and proxy ran him down anyway a couple of more quick notes good decision by uh, a jockey agent ron anderson to take rosario off of west willpower after a six and three-quarter length win in the fayette and go to proxy and now uh stidham will be pointing proxy the next big goal the dubai world cup since he's owned by godolphin stidham pulled that off in 2021 Uh, with the horse name Mystic Guy. A lot to unpack there, but good win by Proxy and a good excuse for Rich Strike.
0: Uh, Rene, I just want to add one thing to that. And I'm not knocking anybody, but it wasn't a very strong race. I mean, Rick Strike was the only grade one winner in the field. Um, You know, Could you give Proxy credit, but at the same time say, you know what, he didn't beat the strongest
1: field? I would agree with that. And what's going to be interesting going forward now when you look ahead to what might be going on next spring you look at the two big races overseas, the Saudi Cup, the Dubai World Cup, right? One of the top horses in training next year is going to be Taba, And he's owned by Amr Zidane of Saudi Arabia, who's very much uh, has a big desire to win the Saudi Cup in his home country. And since not that many trainers are keen nowadays, for some reason, on running in both the Saudi Cup and the Dubai World Cup, we could get a situation bill kind of like 2021. When mystic guide had a fairly easy field to beat in the dubai world cup despite the 12 million dollar purse uh and was able to pull it off i mean proxy may not be running who knows he may not be running against the a list american dirt horses in dubai and still
2: he's done it before i mean they went early with mystic guide so He's he's already got that plan in his mind. So right now, if everything goes well, that is most definitely the plan. I'll be down there this weekend to see him at the fairgrounds.
3: All right.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the other big races at Churchill um, on that card they have on Saturday, which I just love every year, It's all two-year-old oh, yeah. races. There were two really nice two-year-old races with uh, Kentucky Oaks. And Kentucky Derby points on the line. Um, Hoosier Philly won the Golden Rod, very impressive there. Instant Coffee won the Breeders' Futurity. Randy, I have a question for you. Um, Hoosier Philly won her race in one forty three point ninety four. Instant Coffee won in one forty five point two five, more than a second slower. How then does Instant Coffee get the better buyer number of the two? Instant Coffee gets an eighty two. Hoosier Philly gets an eighty one.
1: All about the pace, Bill. Uh, the first six okay. furlongs of the Colt race was run in 115.02 compared to one, uh, 12.28 for Hoosier Philly. That's a huge difference in pace that just can't be made up in the last two and a half furlongs. So what, uh, what all speed figure people have to do for the Kentucky Jockey Club stakes for the Colt race is just pull it out completely from the day's variant and just give an estimate basically on what that race should have been run in based on the past performances of the horses involved so the times really the comparative times of those two races don't really come into play having said that even though instant coffee got to think of what a one-point better number than Hoosier Philly I think Hoosier Philly would have won the Kentucky Jockey Club if she had been running against the boys she was just dynamic in the Goldenrod uh and and what's really interesting about her even though she didn't run that big of a number. The number is irrelevant, given the way that she won, just dragging Edgar Morales to the front and winning with the greatest of ease. But the comments from trainer Tom Amos. Now, I've known Tom since he very first started training back in Louisiana Downs in 1987. I was around him way back then. He's hes not a guy who is prone to hyperbole. And even before the goldenrod, Tom was saying that who's your filly was the best horse he had ever trained and of course he had Serengeti Empress the winner of the Kentucky Oaks he said he'd never been around on a day-to-day basis a horse with the talent of Hoosier Philly before the Goldenrod he said that and then Hoosier Philly goes out and runs a race like that Um, I mean we'll see what happens with her now she's going to get a month off in Florida uh along with his Colt Curly Jack uh then they'll come back to him at the fairgrounds and and he'll start pointing Hoosier Philly uh, for the three-year-old races, which might include a run against the Colts, he
4: hinted.
2: I mean, is it possible, guys, that the two best two-year-old fillies did not run in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies? We're talking Justique, who looked terrific down at Dalmar just a couple of weeks ago. And then Hoosier Philly, who's a perfect three for three. She was a terrific buy by Lauren Carlisle for trainer Tom Amos. Her second dam is Princess Arabella, who I knew out here in Southern California. She was three for three. She was retired early for Hall of Famer Bob Baffert. She had a talent that you just would not believe. It was just a shame we didn't see her full ability. But she was a big, grossy looking filly, much like Hoosier Philly is as well. And I have no mind that she most definitely is the best two-year-old filly in training and I'm right with you, Randy. She could most definitely beat the boys. And, and one other thing, I applaud trainer Tom Amos for keeping on Edgar Morales. He's done nothing wrong on this filly yet. The time when we see time and time again, trainers going to bigger name riders. And long may it continue because this kid gets on really, really well with her. And he's a name that perhaps a lot of people have not heard of, but he is an extremely talented mm-hmm. young rider.
0: Yeah, I just want to concur with just many of the things you said. I mean, Instant Coffee was fine. He was fourth beaten seven lengths in the Breeders' Futurity. That sure makes Forte look good, who won the Breeders' Futurity and then absolutely came back to win the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. But you know, I Raina, I talked to Tom before the race as well, and I didn't know he was getting ready to say that. And he said, "This is the best horse I've ever trained." It's like, what? Wow! I mean, that that's such a statement. And you know what? I, I mean he's now he he's not committing to the Kentucky Derby he just says he's keeping an open mind about it. I sure hope that they give it a chance. I mean at least kick the tires, maybe try running in the Risen Star Stakes or something like that to see if she fits. I mean if she's that good, which I think she is, she shouldn't the the camp and Amos shouldn't feel that they're going to be overmatched against Colts. Um if this is the best horse he's ever trained, then doesn't that make her good enough to give it a try? I don't think people do that enough. And I'm sure Tom would love to win the Kentucky Derby. I mean, who wouldn't, especially a trainer uh, who's a pretty high profile guy like himself that has never won it? And he must be thinking, this is my best shot I've ever had to win the Derby. Go for it, Tom
1: Amos. Yeah, he said some Derby horses that were long shots. You know, I mean, Tom also understands that it, 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 while I think we both agree with Zoe that Hoosier Philly is probably the best two year old Philly in the country, I would take her in a race against Wonder Wheel. Uh, but Tom understands that he's got no chance to be voted two-year-old Philly champion. Wonder Wheels won back-to-back grade ones. He said that he was tempted to tell Edgar Morales when they get to the stretch, don't baby who's your Philly. Turn her loose, let her run, make it a big blowout, and maybe she can be two-year-old Philly champion after all. But then he kind of thought about it and said, that would be silly. I want to was what's in the good. best interest right. of the Philly. You know, he had also maybe, he said 20 years ago, He might have been tempted to run Hoosier Philly in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies and sort of rush her into that race. But, you know, now he's 61 years old. He's wiser. He's older. It's all about the Philly and keeping the Philly going and not about him. And so uh, good decision there by Tom on a couple of different levels.
0: Well, now, uh, Len Green, the owner of Wonder Wheels, coming up on the show a little bit later. Let's not tell him. What we said about you guys saying that uh, uh, Hoosier <laughs> Philly is the best hero Philly in the country, but make it all three of us. I, I believe that as well. And that's taking nothing away from Wonder Wheel. But Hoosier Philly just looks really, really special at
1: this point. Now, the Kentucky Jockey Club was a complete mess. It, it really was. I mean, they ran the, the half in 50 50- Uh, You had traffic problems for Curly Jack, who was sitting back in third trying to find a way through on the rail. He did save ground, but he didn't get the cleanest run. He had Red Route One who was in there behind horses and couldn't find a place to run until late. You know, Instant Coffee benefited from a clear trip, but he was also a little further back given the really slow pace, and he was a little, you know, a little wider. That race was just a complete mess. And I think, unlike last year, when you had Smile Happy, Classic Causeway and White Barrio, they were the one, two, three finishers. Smile Happy, second in the Bluegrass, Classic Causeway winning the Tampa Bay Derby, White De Barrio winning the Florida Derby. I'll be surprised if this race has that much impact on the three-year-old picture when we get to uh, April of 2023.
2: The TDN Writer's Room is brought to you by Keeneland. Don't forget, guys, that we have the 2023 Keeneland January Horses of Ages sale, which begins on Monday, January the 9th. Keeneland September grads over the weekend include the Grade 3 Native Diver winner that was defunded for Hall of Famer Bob Baffert, the Grade 2 Jockey Club winner Instant Coffee, and the Grade 2 Golden Rod winner your Filly. We already spoke about her, but Randy... Have you you got some coffee there? What's going on? (laughs) Look,
1: so Instant Coffee is owned by Al Gold, who got a lot of credit and a lot of attention for naming his horse Cyberknife, right? Who won this year's Haskell and Arkansas Derby. Well, he's got another good name here in Instant Coffee. Instant Coffee is a grandson of Medagliadoro. d'oro was named for this Instant Coffee. I hope the glare is not too bad. Instant Espresso Coffee. Instant Coffee, grandson of d'oro. Another good name for Al Gol.
2: And there you have it. We'll be right back with these messages from Keeneland.
4: If this place could talk, it would roar. It would say, this is a racing, this beating heart in the heart of horse country, steady and strong beneath the roar, reminding us why for the love of the horse, for generations to come.
5: Maximum security proves he's the real deal with a gate-to-wire win in the Florida Derby. Champion three-year-old. Maximum security has won the TBG.com Haskell Invitational.
1: Eleven triple-digit bias.
5: Maximum security. He smoked them
1: in the cigar mile. Grade one winning four-year-old. Maximum security
5: takes them all the way in the TVG Pacific Classic. Secure your mayor's future. Maximum security.
2: The TDN Writers Room is brought to you by Coolmore. Practical Joke got his 17th stakes winner over the weekend as Little Vic won the City of Laurel stakes. Practical Joke now has 31 stakes performers and will stand for 25,000 in 2023. Justify was represented by his first two Japanese winners on Saturday with Jovian and awesome result. Justify now leads first crops by earnings and black type winners. And now, let's get to Santa's little helper, Peter Eckbert.
0: We bring in now the man in the Santa hat, also known as Peter Eckbert, who is the national lawyer for the national HBPA. Peter, thanks for joining us. And I'm glad to have you on today because I think it's fair of the writer's room to give your side of the HISA dispute equal time. We've had Lisa Lazarus on a few times, and we want to hear more from what you guys have to say about HISA and the ongoing dispute. And my first question, I mean this uh, very sincerely, I've never been quite sure why the national HBPA is so anti-HISA. Obviously, they think it's not good for horsemen and by extension, not good for horse racing. But again, I've never really personally been able to connect the dots. I don't know if you guys have gotten the message out uh, properly enough. At least that's the way I feel. So what is it about HISA that at the end of the day, the national HBPA really doesn't like?
3: Well, there, there are a number of things that that are troubling. Uh, one, of course, any time a bill is unconstitutional and it's uh, illegal and and uh, should should not be enforced and that violates the constitution but that's that's one part of it and the part that the we that was part of the the lawsuit the major part of our lawsuit had to do with the anti with with the private delegation uh aspects of the uh of the law uh but there are other things that are equally troubling one of the things that that uh seems I have real uh, reservations about it's a lack of transparency because we, don't, we have no clue as to uh, how things are decided, what, me- what happens in the meetings, Generally, there's, there's minutes. I mean, I'm sure they keep minutes, and they're, they're, those kind of minutes are usually uh, in, a, in a public forum, uh, like a, a HISA making rules for, for all of us. They would, they would have to disclose their minutes and show how people voted and on the board and all that, and there's some kind of uh, accountability. Unfortunately, here as well with HISA, the bylaws you know, were written before the law was ever passed. The bylaws were drafted in September 2020. The law didn't pass until December uh the, the bylaws clearly uh, make it very difficult for any director, once they're on the board, to be removed from the board. There has to be cause and causes defined very narrowly, and then the vote has to be a uh, uh, unanimous vote of all, but the guy that's going to be removed. So it's, it's very difficult to get anyone off the board so there's lack of uh, uh, lack of accountability as we feel. And then uh, because of the lack of transparency, we don't know, I don't know if you guys know, but you know, I, I asked uh, John Roach, who I respect John Roach a lot. He's very smart and, and good lawyer. Uh, John sent me a copy of the, of the tax return that was just recently filed. And uh, in that, it shows that HISA has uh, uh, liabilities as of the end of uh, 2021 of $2.9 million to uh, unrelated third parties. Well, that'd be nice to know who, who, uh, who owes money to uh, just from a standpoint of a conflict of interest. We don't know, we have little information. The budget is, is not very specific at, at all. And that would be uh, a welcome change to know where, where uh, who's getting paid what and how, how the money's being spent and that sort of thing. And we don't, we have general categories, but those are very broad and almost too broad for, for us to really uh, gleam anything from. Um, uh, the other thing that's troubling with HISA is the funding. I mean, we've got uh, budgets that are coming through now at seventy three million dollars, and those are being assessed against the the horsemen. And that's you know, and there's no real representation on the horseman's part to know, you know, again, how that's being spent or 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 who voted for this or or who's being contracted. Uh, I know I asked back uh, when we had a a, a, a forum with a, at the Churchill, uh, when Lisa Lazarus was there and I asked her for a copy of the contract that was between HISA and the uh, drug-free uh, sports um, and you know, where you know uh, they're being paid to, to, to take over the drug program that's effective January 1 and um, she told me that was private that I wasn't entitled to it and I've asked for I've asked for the agreements uh, with the uh, with the states to see, uh, you know, if there's, are they uniform? Are those agreements, uh, do they they, uh, continue with uniformity or are those agreements specialized for the state and different for each state? I don't know that because we haven't been provided those things. But again, transparency is, is vitally important for trust. And without transparency, that can't be the, the trust that, that's necessary for this type of an entity. I guess uh, the other thing that we have a problem with is the lack of due process, because the way it's set up is, you know, we all know how it, it works. If you have a violation currently, you go in that state, you 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 uh, go before the stewards, and you you have a hearing, and then if if you don't agree with the results of that hearing, you can take it on to an administrative law judge, and if you after that's ruled upon, and then the Commission signs off on that, or changes that, or whatever. Then it goes to the to a uh, the legal system into a, a court where you have a neutral judge and makes a decision. Um, with HISA, it's there's really no there's there's no trial by jury. That's all administrative, and so we have we have some real significant issues and, and expense involved in trying to to fight a any kind of a violation uh, is is astronomical so in essence when you make something so expensive uh that it's it's difficult for the uh, the trainer the the normal trainer to fight then that makes due process sort of fly out the window and um so those are some of the things that, that we have troubles with with HISA not just the the anti well not just the the delegation issue which is what the fifth circuit found there was no accountability and delegating to a private entity was uh, against the Constitution. Uh, there's also a Sixth Circuit case that's coming up uh, to be argued December the 7th that, and since before that uh, that circuit. And uh, that, one of the arguments in there, one of the primary arguments in there is the anti-commandeering where the federal government can't uh, require the state to, to spend money and, and that sort of thing. So it's, um, uh, there are a number of things that we have that uh, in a, that we have trouble with with this, uh, and and maybe our message didn't get out as loud and clear as it should have. Um, again, uh, we work at National. There's a there's a staff of two. Uh, Eric is the CEO, Eric hamelback and he's he spends about 60 hours a week, if not more, uh, on HPPA stuff. And then we have uh, Lauren Manette, who's like the our head administrator in the office and then myself and Lauren's part-time and, and I'm I'm part-time. So there's not, uh, you know, we don't have a big staff to, to go, do a good, uh, perhaps we should have more emphasis on our uh, public relations. We have a public relations committee and we try to get people informed and get news out on a daily basis to our affiliates so they can distribute it out to the Their members, uh, but uh, again, I'm not saying it's flawless or it's not. It would be nice to be able to to have a a full staff of PR people to be able to do that, but we don't.
1: Well, Peter, that's a pretty that's pretty aggressive laundry list of uh, potential objections to HISA there. But the the one angle, legal angle, that as you pointed out, really resonated with the courts is the delegation of lawmaking authority from the FTC. To HISSA. Now it, it stands to reason, at least I would believe, that the HBPA would not be in favor of the Federal Trade Commission making laws for horse racing. So That's was true. that just was that was that just a convenient vehicle uh, to try to get HISA struck down? Or is there anything that can be changed in HISA? that would make the hbpa support hisa as an entity
3: well i think i gave you a laundry list of some of the issues we'd like to see changed with hisa uh not just the ftc involvement we we always have said that we thought that if any any uh federal agency were to have supervisory authority it should be the usda united states department of agriculture and not and not the ftc uh but at the same time we 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 feel that there are, there are a number of issues with with his or hisa that 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 dictate that it, it not come into play that it that makes significant changes and there are other ways to doing it as Ed Martin often says you know you don't burn the house down to fix the kitchen and we can get that kitchen fixed without burning the house down it seems like the structure that that there uh, that hisa brings into play is is radical and and leaves a lot of things on the table that shouldn't be left. With, with the current structure, the way things are now, I, I understand that there is an issue of uniformity and we are for uni- uniformity. We work with the ARCI, they have the, they have the Model Rules Committee, and we've participated in those Model Rules Committees uh, for a long, long time. And we give input, they sometimes accept our input, they sometimes don't, but at least we know what's going on and who and what the reason is that our input is, is rejected, or it's often adopted. But we get, we get a chance to comment on those Model Rules, and, and at least we feel like they're sort of a product of, of our input and our... Uh, participation in the process, whereas with HISA, these things are just coming out, and they're telling us this is the way it is. And a lot of times, we're wondering, who came up with that shoe rule? Who came up with the crop rule? How did they do that? What What was the rationale for that? Some of these things, you know, just makes you you wonder. So, so do you believe that there's that there are so many issues
1: with HISA that it's un that it's unfixable?
3: Well, it, it can be anything can be fixed, but it's going to take a it's going to take a a monumental effort to do that. It's not just a, a one fix. Well, let's give the FTC a little more supervisory control. It's got to be more than that. You've got to bring transparency and open the open the windows and the doors and let's see what's going on. Let's see how the uh, you know how the sausage made. And uh, that's I think that's where I came from.
2: So Pete, is there a good alternative to HISA? I mean, what is the alternative if HISA does not get pushed through? I mean, there was a bill to push it to 2024. Is is that on the table, or do you guys well, I mean, have? Be, a yeah, we're, we're, idea? We're,
3: yeah, we support that bill, HR 9132, which uh, Representative uh, Gooden uh, introduced from Texas. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the timing is not the greatest with the new Congress coming in and all that. But yeah, that would be that would be a nice step in the right direction to, to put off trying to enforce uh, what, what we know from the highest court so far to say is an unconstitutional law. Um, and, and nobody knows what the Sixth Circuit's gonna do, but I wouldn't be surprised that they would go along with the Fifth Circuit. But in any event, what, what, what we feel like could, could add uniformity and, and be a quick fix would be medication uh, uh, compact where the states opt in to be covered. If you want to basically have a, uh, uh, if you want to have simulcasting and, and be in compliance, they could add additional con, uh, condition that you have to uh, adopt the the uh, compact and the compact then would make it uh, easy and people would have input uh, into that. To, so the medication rules would have some some input and some uh, contribution from, from all the, the horsemen.
2: How is that different from the national uniform medication that is now defunct, the one that failed? How is the new med- med- medication compact different?
3: Well, the, the NOPF was adopted, you know, in the mid-Atlantic by I think eleven or twelve, maybe thirteen uh, jurisdictions, uh, and and uh, the the difference would be with a compact that it, once a state adopts it, then then it automatically becomes that state law. Uh, so it would not, it wouldn't. They could. Ch- Change it, and it would they they wouldn't have to go back through the veg, various legislatures to get it changed. Whereas now, with with a with a change, uh, if you try to do something uniform like nothing, you almost have to go to each state legislator to get the uh, legislative body to get them to uh, to adopt it, and that that is uh, pretty much unworkable. It takes it takes so long to get that accomplished. Some states. Happens right away. Other states, it takes forever. So, if you have a compact that they've signed on, then that would allow the compact administration to, to make those, those changes in a relatively quick manner.
0: Peter, as you know, from I'm sure you've been following things that I've said and I've written, I think the sport has an integrity problem. You know, maybe you don't, maybe the people at the National HBPA don't feel that way, but I do. And, you know, we've seen some very serious things happen with Jason Service and Jorge Navarro. I think there's got to be a better way than the status quo. Um, do you want to comment on that? And is the compact that you just talked about, is that good enough? Is that really going to help
3: this sport clean up attack? Well, I, I agree with you. That's the first step. OK, that's that there's got to be more than that. I agree that there should be some type of a uh, a multi-jurisdictional investigative agency and and that could be funded as well by you know by the by the federal government uh and that that could have uh the powers that sort of like that heisa has or that a that a state racing commission has to go in and and do investigations that's that's the the way that navarro and service are, are caught was through through the you know through that private investigation and not through the the testing but a lot of people are are either caught or their or the testing allows for uh, uh, a, a you know a deterrent uh, that people will not then try to try to push the envelope uh, too far or you know they know that there's there's consequences especially if they're they're testing but uh, if there's testing going on and there was under the current regime there's a, been a lot of testing that you know the AOC has been involved in and, and, and keeps records of and you know uh, again. The majority of horsemen, I'd say 99%, are, are, are honest, hardworking, and try to do things the right way, in a fair way. Now, you're always going to find a bunch of uh, people who are going to take shortcuts and try to, try to uh, you know, uh, get play the system. And, and that's the, those are the kind of people we don't want to see in the, in the industry, because that just hurts the industry and gives us a bad name. And and only thing that, one of the things I have a problem with, and I shouldn't say the only thing, one of the things I have a problem with, from my standpoint, is that it seems that the, the negative, and I guess that's, that's just, that's the media, and that's where we do things now. Is that if there's a negative, it gets blown out way up, and the the good, hardworking folks, you don't hear a whole lot about them. Uh, and that's you know, I mean, I guess I'm I'm thinking utopia and all and, well, good mother and apple pie and all that. But uh, at the same time, I wish there was more uh, good stories about our good, hardworking horsemen that that do it the right way.
1: So in a nutshell, Peter, the reason why you're here with us today is that you do not believe that the national HBPA deserves to be on Santa's naughty list.
3: <laughs> exactly. I think we should be on the nice list. We all have the same goals. We want to see, we want to see fair horse racing. We want to see you know, our, our equine athletes taken care of and given the best treatment they possibly can get. And, and we want the rules to be fair for everybody, not just uh, you know, we want to be fair across the board. And good racing and, and racing that people know and can feel that uh, it's been done the right way.
2: Peter, so you're wearing bet- you're wearing your magic Santa hat. If it could just yes. be you in charge of everything and you have all your little elves oh, running oh around.
3: My. We, we, uh, Zoe, we'd have a problem if I was in charge of everything. You don't <laughs> want <to be.
2: laughs> But but what would be what would be your advice? Like if you could rule the world and have your elves running around and were in charge of horse racing, how would you do it? What, what's the magic answer? Well,
3: I, I I guess the 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 answer is that we try to you know we we try to police ourselves and and. When you know that now you go in the the airports and you're constantly saying you know if you see something say something you know and I guess that's what the horsemen we we nobody wants to be a squealer nobody wants to be you know d- doing things like that that uh, you know have been frowned upon for years but maybe that's where we need to be that if you feel like somebody's really doing something there ought to be a a, a, a someone that's security that you can report to without repercussions and that somebody's investigated and, and checked out. If, if I mean, not just because you got beat in a race. I mean, that's, that's, that's not the way it should be. But if you feel like you see some things going on that shouldn't be going on, report those and let's, let's clean up whatever needs to be cleaned up. But again, we feel that, that on, uh, for the whole, like 99% of the, the folks are, are good, honest, and, and, and comply with the rules. Uh, Peter, you won a major battle in the Fifth
0: Circuit with the court declaring that it's unconstitutional. You go to the Sixth Circuit now, and uh, based on the judges that were appointed to the panel, the conventional wisdom is you're going to win that as well. If you win in the Sixth Circuit, what happens next? And if Haiza can't, uh, if if you win there, and if Haiza can't get the Supreme Court to take the case,
3: is Haiza dead? Well, the, the, there's the, the third, well, I guess there's, there's, a couple of options. Let me run through the options real quick. Okay. The options for the Fifth Circuit case, they can they can ask for an en bloc hearing, which, which is all 16 judges to hear it. I don't think that would be successful because they, in our case, all three judges ruled in, uh, that it was unconstitutional. So we had a, a, a two, two Republicans and one Democrat on that panel. Uh, so I, again, I don't think that, but they could ask for it and maybe they would get it and maybe there would be a a a difference of opinion, but I don't think so. I think the Fifth Circuit would would rule that way. Now, the Sixth Circuit, you're correct that the two judges, uh, Judge Sutton and Judge uh, uh, Griffin, uh, are also uh, states rights type judges, conservative judges that likely would uh, rule that, uh, that heist is unconstitutional. Uh, if they ruled it was constitutional, then then you'd have a, a, a difference in, in circuits, and to get to the Supreme Court would be much easier. The Supreme Court doesn't take that many cases; they take maybe one in a hundred. So to get there to begin with is, is difficult. But if you have a difference in circuits, it's much easier. Uh, again, if the Sixth Circuit rules that it's unconstitutional, then it's unlikely that they would be able to get there. Now the other so if you can't get to the to the Supreme Court. Then the the only other alternative they have is to go back to the legislature, and you know with the change of things going on now, with the, the differences uh, in in control of the house, uh, and, and you know I don't know how that would work, but it you know that would be one avenue that they could take. Now, otherwise, if it's unconstitutional, then it's you know then it's it's done.
2: Then what?
3: Say so again. Then what?
2: Then what then
3: what happens then, well what we're working on uh what we're trying to do is some alternative legislation and working on uh, trying to get the medication compact uh in in final form that everybody can can accept and go for so we're we're, we're working to try to, to to make some changes that need to be made and that uh, we would we would work with anybody that wants to work with us and, and sit down at the table and and try and get something ironed out i think the horseman one of the good benefits of HISA is that they've seen what can happen if they don't become involved because they were all sitting on their hands thinking, oh, this will never happen. Well, it happened. And so they need, you know, I think now they'll they'll hopefully uh, see that they need to be active and, and try and make things that, that the, you know, try and make a contribution that, that we all live can live with. You guys want me to check us in on, on what list you're on?
2: That would be great. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Peter Eckenberg, thanks so much for your time and thanks for the insights and an interesting story. We'll all stay tuned to see what happens, uh, whether Heise is going to go forward or not. Again, thanks so much for your time, Peter.
3: Thank you all. You all have a good Christmas. You too.
1: Nominations for the 2023 PA Sired, PA Bread Stallion Series are underway right now. If you have a yearling, don't forget to nominate. It's $200 the nomination fee until December 31st. Then it goes up to 500 Then it goes up to 1000 And the late noms next year are actually 5000 So get your nomination in now for just $200. Next year, the series will expand to include three days of two two-year-old races each, one for and one for Phillies, starting at five and a half furlongs, then six and a half, and then one mile. And a $50,000 trainer bonus will be awarded to each of the top three point-earning Horses, another note, Wanamakers will host the second annual PA bread sale in conjunction with the Pennsylvania Horse Breeders Association, the PHBA. That'll be December 4th through the 8th. You can learn more at wanamakers.com. Now, for this message from the PHBA.
4: Here in Pennsylvania, we're proud of our breeding program, the best in North America, but we're also proud to be leaders in this industry. The PA Horse Breeders Association is funding cutting edge research at Penn Vet to detect gene doping in thoroughbreds. And we endorsed the SAFE Act to help protect the most vulnerable horses. Plus, we're pleased to support the aftercare programs set up by our horseman's groups. Just a few of the reasons why you should join us in Pennsylvania, the premier place to breed and race.
1: In case you don't know by now, our Green Group Guest of the Week is sponsored by none other than the Green Group, which is an accounting and tax consulting advisory firm that specializes in the thoroughbred industry. They have proven strategies to save you taxes, a lot of clients in the business. And you can learn more about the Green Group at www.greencode.com. Bill
0: And we welcome in now the Green Group Guest of the Week, which makes absolutely no sense because Leonard Green, who is the Green Group, is the Green Group Guest of the Week. So, Len, guess what? Congratulations. You just won a free hour of tax consultation with yourself. How about that?
4: <laughs> so but we're glad to have – Go ahead, Bill.
0: Always ahead. glad to have Len on because he has such good – not only are we going to talk about Wonder Wheel, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly Champion, but it's getting late in the year, Len. There's almost uh, just one month and a day to go. In this late uh, stage in the game, what can people do to save on taxes for 2023 come April 15th?
4: Actually, Bill, that, that that is the most important month of the year. I mean, because in, in essence, most of our clients okay are on the cash basis. So therefore, if they make payments before the end of December 31st, they get a tax deduction for this year. Also, because of the fact that bonus depreciation is the number one largest deduction that people in the horse business take. And, and basically what that means is, if you buy a horse or if you buy horse equipment, okay, or a farm, or as long as you take title to it, okay, you can take the tax deduction 100% in this year. If you wait till next year, you only get 80% of it as a immediate tax deduction. So it's a re- real advantage. And if you have yearlings, okay, the other little twist is you can't really take bonus depreciation on them unless you put them in service. What does that mean? That means you call up your trainer and say, hey, pick the horse out of the barn and start it training toward its two-year-old year. year." And then the horse is considered in service and therefore you can take the deduction on that yearling in this year. Also, there's an awful lot of expenses you can prepay. Again, my trainer said, why don't you pay your your January bill in December? And I said, fine, just give me a discount. Okay, but again, seriously, if you take deduction, if you have a deduction that you're going to have to pay in January, why not pay it in December? Just write your check out and have it dated December 31st and you're in business there. And then the charitable contributions, especially today, okay, being being charitable day. OK, we, we, we've gone ahead and contributed part of our earnings from Wonder Wheel okay, to, no, to new vocations and other charities like that. I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful idea. And then we're also setting up a a Christmas party for the whole group that's in our barns. Okay, Again, they've earned it. So why not do it and pay it in this year? So again, those are all good ideas. And then just one more of them. There was a recent tax court case, okay, which the IRS said, big victory for... The IRS, because we proved this Skolnick versus commissioner, we've made eight years of hobby losses, which are not deductible. Great victory for the IRS. Baloney. Okay, it's a great victory actually for horsemen because they laid out exactly what Skolnick did wrong. And if you then conversely do what Skolnick did not do, you have a, a beautiful plan in which you can handle yeah. And, and the biggest one of, of that whole thing. And again, I won't go into it in great detail because we are coming up with an article in TDN on it. But basically he commingled everything. He used his personal account for paying some business expenses and some personal expenses. He bought personal horses with it. He had no business plan. He didn't listen to TDN. So he didn't have the hundred hours of that you need to be active. He did everything you could do wrong. Great victory for the IRS. It's a great victory for us because now if we say we will do these kinds of things, I think you got a great case that you're actively involved in the business. Actively involved means you can take tax deductions against ordinary income. Dot, 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 How's that? Sounds good. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lynn, I know you guys
1: love people like me who start thinking about taxes when the calendar gets to April the 1st yeah Uh, but then again i I don't have a a farm or a a stable or a bunch of yearlings to worry about good advice so far
4: what randy just just for a second okay because we actually do we we, we actually do 30 or 40 trainers The, the the thing that they miss most okay and their accountants miss is now home office deductions are allowed and you guys they're allowed because you guys are working eight days a week and nights and all kinds of things and most of the trainers Their their accountants are back in the the, the old age, okay, three or four years ago, where you couldn't have a home office, you if you had other space. But now, you definitely can have a home office, and you start figuring out, okay, I have one room out of eight, okay, that I use for my home office, and I have a computer in there, and I watch things. Well, you can deduct the computer. You can deduct one-eighth of your heat, light, power, insurance, repairs, maintenance, and depreciation on your house. That's a big ticket item that most people are forgetting. Can I deduct dog food? Is that possible? Well, again, not. If, if, it's Blue, if, it's, if it's Blue Buffalo, which, which is a company that I used to own, okay, and, and we <laughs> sold it for $8 billion, Okay, we figure out a way to do that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are there any other changes uh, in the tax laws pertaining to thoroughbred, uh, the, the thoroughbred industry that people should be aware of?
4: Yeah, Randy, that's a great question. The, the biggest one, okay, has to do with that immediate tax deduction. It's called bonus depreciation. And why it's so big is the previous thing that we had was a, called the a Section 179, which was a great deduction. It allowed us to do 100%. But if you lost money, you couldn't use it. Okay, Bonus depreciation, you can use it even if you've lost money on your operation. But that goes from 100% immediate deduction to 80% next year. So I'm saying it really makes sense to make those payments. And it's not just on horses. It's on equipment and other things that are involved. So then that's probably the biggest one. You can also, there's if you want to set up an IRA or a KEO pension plan for yourself, you set it up now before December 31st, and you have until next October to actually make the payment. And it counts as if it was made December 31st. So again, the, 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 those are very, very big okay? as far as the horse business is, is concerned. And then again, going back to, you don't have a farm, but other people either have a farm and the key is, well, what's deductible on the farm? Well, only, only the buildings, Len, and, and not the, the residents or, and the barns. Who the heck cares about that if you have to depreciate over 30 years? Well, the answer is you don't have to anymore. Now, with, with the new tax law, you're allowed to look at that barn and say, Is that a special purpose building? If it is, you can write it off in one year. Well, how when I tell you, you have a shed that, that, that stores the, the feed in? Special purpose, write it off in one year. Look around you. Have you been taking any of the fences? Have you been taking certain kinds of the trees? Have you taken the 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 roadways?
2: Most people don't, and they could. Wow, that that's a lot of deductions. Now, how about winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Fillies? How did that affect your taxes, Len? Is that is that a big deduction? How how do we go forward from here? And by the way, well done with Wonder Wheel.
4: Thank you, Zoe. Uh, it was a, a real thrill. It, I guess it's the reason why you're I'm in the business for 40 some odd years you know, to win something like that. And people say, well, you, you actually won it before. Well, yeah, but that wasn't as much as, as this one, because this one was kind of planned out. Ha ha, planned out. You know, man plans and God laughs sometimes. But this was a new <laughs> Set up. Okay. We have have a new manager. Okay. And he said, Hey, let's change the operation. And I said, John, I've been running this thing for so many years. I certainly know what I'm doing. Well, let's change it. So we we changed it in the sense that now, and and Randy, I think you can appreciate this. Okay. What, 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 what Mark is doing. He pointed out that Len used to buy yearlings. Okay. And you used to put them on a farm and they would break them. But the farm that they're breaking them on, okay, also breaks horses for sales. And the breaking of horses for sales should be different than breaking the horses for racing because you're pushing yeah. the horses a lot faster, right, Randy, to, to do that, uh, that 10 seconds or, or 21 seconds or something if you're going to sell it. So this time, for the first time, we not only had, had Mark pick, pick out the, the horses, but, but, but Oh, he, he had it easy because Kim and other people, you know, take these 2,000, 3,000 horses and they, they, they break them down. So, but it's still, he had, he had to look at several hundred horses, okay? And, and then being a trainer, okay, I'm sure many is the same thing. That's nice that they gave us this list, but you know what? I'm going to walk around to the barns and, and pull out horses that I want to look at myself. And so anyway, he, we now have a short list. But this year, for the first year, but back one year, okay, we actually took those horses and let Mark bring them along for racing, and then he said, "Okay, I think this horse has ability, so let's go forward to to November and work backwards from November." Okay, so each race was actually spaced out. Now again, it all has to fall into place, obviously, okay, but it fell into place that every month. OK, we had picked out a race okay, and, then, and then typical of trainers. OK, we finished second in the spin away. And he says, that's OK. That's not the race I was aiming for. <laughs> I was aiming for the Breeders' Cup, right? So again, it was very exciting, but it was kind of fell into place. Now, again, they, they kid us owners. They, 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 they let us play the, the, the trainer sometimes. You give the orders to to Tyler. Okay, Tyler, you you know how you've won before, and we charted this race out to John and I. Okay, so here's the speed to the inside. We can take care of that. Here's the speed to the outside. Okay, make those horses go around us. Tyler says, sure. Okay. We break last.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Len, you plotted out a course. You plotted out a course to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. What's the course that Mark, uh, John, and you are are plotting out for the Kentucky Oaks? I assume she's going to fairgrounds. um, And kind of, you have any thoughts yet on what her campaign will look like for 2023?
4: Do you want what they did thinking about or what I'm thinking about? You, you're the boss. (laughs) You pay the bills. You you know, Randy, it's funny. Okay, many, many years ago when I started, okay, I started with somebody called Walter Reese, who won a lot of races for us over the years and the first horse we got with Walter I said to him I want to give the stu- the, the, the jockey the orders and he said fine okay so I, I gave him this what you do here and here's a time I think you should have here and keep the horse to the outside and he said si sí, senor because he didn't understand English <laughs> is that typical <laughs> of, of trainers All right, going back to your your question okay? and, and Bill you're, you must have looked at at our playbook because the fairgrounds is probably the first one in the list. And then if it wins there, where it goes from there and there. Okay. But the ultimate is okay. Somewhere. Okay. In May. Okay. There's a couple of races. Okay. And I think we're going to cross. Enter. Okay. Okay. Into both the Oaks and some other race that's one run in May. Okay. But the ultimate, challenge is still going to be the Oaks and then the ashland and work your way back however i'm going to tell you we have a lot of other good horses in our stable <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen
2: how about renegade red bull i mean she was just so impressive winning the nazarene the daughter of nyquist you paid a lot of money for her but she sure turned it around since going to woodbine
4: zoe thank you okay and again, I take credit for all these purchases because I'm the one that cuts the check. Now, you know, again, I think to be successful as a business, let's put the the business hat on for a second. Okay, I think you got to run these things as a business. Now, again, it's it's not going to work as easy. But then again, most businesses don't work as as easy. There's always something that comes up that's unexpected. So you have to account. For that, but you should have a business strategy and plan, and then not only for for the sake of of it, but also just in case the IRS ever looks and says, "Hey, what was your plan? You may have lost money, but did you have some opportunities to do it? Did you buy fillies and then colts and then uh, did, you, did you go overseas to buy horses and broodmares? And are you buying better broodmares now so that you can breed and and get all kinds of stallion?" And, 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 and broodmare contracts and things that you don't have to pay. So again, it's all part, so that you then can get into book one or book two. So again, there, there's definitely a plan. Okay, So, okay, Renegade is, is is down there. And again, one of the advantages that not only of all the hard work that goes into these short lists, but when you figure that the accounting firm has 800 clients, okay, and, and over 100 of them, Okay, are consigners at sales? Okay, now again, they're in it to make business, to make profits. They don't necessarily okay tell you okay what might be the their best horse. But when you threaten them, when I'm, I'm going to turn you into the IRS if you, if you ever give me a bad horse, okay? Well, then you have a little competitive advantage. Okay, okay. Barry Eisman is is one of the best in the business, Doc. Okay, and we went to his his consignment. And he said, "Len, there is an outstanding horse here, but I'm not sure you can afford it."
2: I got to tell you, Len, I loved her at the sale. She was at the top of my list. So well done you for getting her and paying seven hundred thousand for her because she was awesome. How much did we pay? Really? Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. The, 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 the other horse for the, the, the two hundred seventy-five thousand, Zoe. That really was was an RNA. Okay. Yeah. And and again, it's the way, way back in our, in our early days. Okay. Bob Scanlon used to pick out horses for us, bless his soul. Okay. And he used to say, don't worry about the fact that you you didn't buy the horse. I said, what do you mean? It may have been RNA. And his, he went back that night and and saw what the RNAs were and then went to the consigners. So the next morning when we got up at six o'clock, he said, Come on over," he said. "We have an opportunity to buy this horse or that horse, and I I I never realized that that was an was an alternative to it. So there's a story behind behind each one of these. Plus, there's a story behind. Somebody said to me you are 'You're you're you're now made now have won two thousand four hundred seventy eight races.' I said, you 'You're probably close.'" I said, but we've also lost 8,622 <laughs> races, and I keep track of that side of the. <laughs> so, again, uh, uh, you guys have a great show, incidentally, also. And you you, you you don't emphasize enough that to be active in this business, you should have at least 100 hours. What does that mean? Well, listening to your telecasts and, and podcasts and things, that counts as part of it. Because they, they, there's so much you can learn from these things. Because it, we, we're not just talking red and blue and, and make-believe. We're talking real and things that they can do and can't do. And that's so important to this game. You would never... There's so many people who are successful in, in other businesses who come into this business and think they can leave their head behind. they, they got to know more about it. they got to be more involved in it. And that, that lends itself... Success. Of course, I don't, I don't want to be as con- controversial though as you are on certain of your subject matters. But you know, But again, uh, again, just just being a horse owner for a moment, I really thought, okay, that one of the answers to this business was was, was the HISA kind of thing. And, and it, if if it gets turned down, then you got to find something else because it was the right answer. Okay, maybe it's be done a different way, but I really enjoyed going to the Breeders' Cup and standing there in the in the shed row and watching these eight or ten veterinarians every day looking at the horses. To me, that was a real positive. I felt much better about that.
0: Hmm? Well, once again, the Green Group guest of the week, Len Green. I know that makes no sense, but nonetheless, that's the way we did it. Len, thanks so much for your insights. Best of luck with Wonder Wheel on the road to the Kentucky Oaks next year. Congratulations on your victory in the Breeders' Cup and the Eclipse Award that's coming your way fairly shortly. We'll talk to you again soon.
4: Thank you, guys. Thank you.
1: So once again, you can learn more about the Green Group and everything they can do for you in the tax consulting and advisory business by logging on to www.greenco.com. We'll be right back after this message from the Green Group.
5: Why do the most successful owners, breeders and horsemen select the Green Group as their tax advisor? We simply save them money and know how to make them more successful. Over the past 40 years, founder Leonard Green has owned and bred some of the best racehorses in the history of the sport. His in-depth, hands-on industry knowledge, combined with cutting-edge tax-saving strategies, has produced positive results for his clientele and has made the Green Group the top-rated accounting and tax firm in the business. For a confidential and complimentary consultation, contact us at 732-634-5100 or visit our website at www.greenco.com. The Green Group, proven strategies to save you taxes.
2: The TDN Rice's Room is brought to you by XBTV. The XBTV.com work of the week is Carbo Spirit, seen working here solo, and my goodness, does he look terrific, working here on the training track at Santa Anita in a minute flat. Now, Carbo Spirit, I think, guys, he is in the form of his life. I have never Seen as good, him look as good as he looks coming in right now. And he will, of course, run in this weekend's Grade 1 Hollywood Derby for George Papa Padromo, the XBTV Workout of the Week, brought to you by XBTV. Bill, Cabo spirit looks terrific. He's going to be one of the top choices for this weekend's Grade 1 Hollywood Derby.
0: Well, it's a big weekend of racing. We've got the two grade ones at Del Mar, the Matriarch and the Hollywood Derby. At Aqueduct, we have the Remsen, the Demoiselle, and the grade one cigar. But Zoe, since we're on the subject, why don't you give us a little preview of the two grade one races to be run this weekend at Del Mar? A closing week right, well, at I, Del Mar, by the way.
2: Yeah, I already mentioned the grade one Hollywood Derby. Looks like the, the winner of the Twilight Derby, Cabo Spirit, will be going forward there for George Papa Padromo. I love him going in there. He's already proven at Del Mar. Speaking Scout, who was the runner-up to him in the Twilight Derby, will be going forward there. Spycatcher will be going forward in the Del Mar Derby and perhaps War at Sea. Of course, we're recording this on Wednesday. The entries aren't out yet. So the Grade 1 Hollywood Derby looks like it's going to be a very good race. But, guys, how about the Grade 1 Matriarch? Coming in, we've got Chad Brown, who's won four. Of the last five races, Dolce Zell is coming in now. She was perhaps a controversial scratch the morning of the Valley View. She was a vet scratch at Keeneland. She's coming in as the lone three-year-old in here. Three-year-olds do not have a very good record in the grade one matriarch. But then he's got Regal Glory looking for back-to-back wins. Is it just Regal Glory and Chad Brown in the grade one matriarch? I don't think so. We've got Avenue de France. Coming in here, she didn't run very well in the Goldie last time out. She was slated to be in the Keeneland November sale. This will be her swan song. She'll go in the January sale, the Horses of Racing Age sale. And I think she's got a very good shot. Pizza Bianca goes in there. Like, it's just a terrific weekend of racing at Del Mar. And Wakanaka in the Matriarch as well. She looks like she's coming out there. I think that may be one of the best renditions that we're going to see in a long time of the grade one matriarch.
0: Well, I wouldn't call this cigar one of the best renditions we've seen of the cigar. Uh, Here are some of the big names in there. Mind Control come off the second last last time out. Actually, he crossed the wire second, was placed first through disqualification in the Park's Dirt Mile. Zand and I assume will be the favorite for Chad Brown. He runs well every single time out, but hasn't won since the Bluegrass. Second in the Pennsylvania Derby, third in the Travers, second in the Jim Dandy. Third in the Kentucky Derby, Um, you have uh, Peter Miller bringing in a horse by the name of Get Her Number. Then Norm Cash, Norman Lynn Cash, who we've talked about so much with Beverly Park, is bringing in a horse named Double Crown, who won the Kelso last time out at 42 to 1. He's slated to run seven times between this Saturday's uh, cigar and the end of the year for the trainer who I love who actually believes in running his horses. but uh, And White Wynabario, of, of course, is in there as well, the Florida Derby winner. He has not been in good form lately. Fifth in the Pennsylvania Derby, seventh in the Haskell. Randy, what do you think of the cigar?
1: It's an evenly matched race. The, the punchline about Lynn Cash and Double Crown is that when they won the Kelso, of course, the horse was coming back on seven days rest. Right. So he's done that over and over and over again. I think it's, the favoritism is going to come down to Zandon and mind control. I think the question about Zandon is the one-turn mile. He doesn't have much early speed. There doesn't look to be a ton of early speed in there. You know, can Zandon stay in touch early or will he drop a little too far back? And Mind Control is one of my favorite horses. I mean, this horse is just so gutsy. Whenever he gets a horse up next to him, he just almost refuses to get past. And if he does, he comes back and gets the horse again. We've seen it twice out of Mind Control in his last four races, Uh, Back in the Salvador Mile at Monmouth, Hot Rod Charlie, who's a pretty game horse himself, put a head in front of Mind Control at the eighth pole. Mind Control battled back to win. And we saw earlier in late 2021 in a race at Parks, Silver State got a half length in front of Mind Control in mid-stretch. And Mind Control, again, battled back along the inside to win. So he's a pretty tough out this horse mind control it's a pretty evenly matched race but I think it's going to come down to those two it should be fun to watch
2: Randy who do you like in the matriot you know Zoe I'm gonna
1: you know I, I'll lean toward Chad Brown and Regal Glory you know I, I, that's easy you know it's like a it's like a softball answer I know that <laughs> but you know Chad's had success uh shipping horses out there and and doing well in those kinds of races at Del Mar you know gray emotion has too and he's got a little stable out there. Uh, so, you know, it, it's got, but I agree with you. It, it's going to be a really, really fascinating race to watch.
0: There were jockeys in the news over the weekend. Luis Saez pulled out a win of the uh, riding title at Churchill Downs for that meet. And uh, not that Saez isn't a good rider, he's a great rider, but usually uh, if a guy comes in from out of town, they have a hard time, you know, trying to pick up mounts, trying to pick up business. Uh, not only did he win six on Saturday at Churchill Downs. But he beat Tyler Gaflione, uh, who's the king of Churchill Downs, for the riding title, 23 to 21. Um, Luis Sayas big feather in his cap, Zoe.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Six races. I think he's just one behind Pat Day and Julian Lepreau's record of seven there. He also just beat Tyler Gaflione at Keeland as well. So the pair of them are slated to go head-to-head at the championship meet that comes up at Goldstream Park as well. So some really exciting things. Don't forget about Angel Cruz in Maryland. He had a six-win day this weekend as well. So four letters, last, last one ending in Z. I mean, apparently that makes to a six-win day.
0: Five of his wins were at Charlestown. Uh, one at Laurel and then rode five at Charlestown. Well done, Angel Cruz.
1: So
2: Bill, what do you
0: love,
1: it, As a horse player, this will resonate with you guys. What I love the most about Luis Saez, back to him, is his aggressiveness. Yeah, I mean, nothing against the Ortiz brothers, who were obviously tremendously talented. I mean, I read Ortiz is on a huge career path in the Breeders' Cup, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they're fantastic riders, but so many top riders nowadays lean toward passiveness and sitting still and waiting and waiting and not really being that aggressive early in a race, even when the situation calls for it. Luis Saez is is aggressive when when it's advantageous to be aggressive and as a horse player i really really like to see that because it really it it helps when you're handicapping races to know that you've got a guy like that on a horse that needs a ride like that
2: yeah I'm i'm absolutely with you and on top of his aggressiveness it's a safe kind of aggressiveness it's not often that we see him being pulled up and like Charging over horses' heels or he's in trouble and he's in the headlines for that. You never hear anything about Louis Sires other than he's a great rider and he's a super, super nice guy. And his agent speaks for himself, William Kieran McLaughlin. The TDN Writer's Room is brought to you by West Point Thoroughbreds. You can join West Point Thoroughbreds for a fraction of the price. You don't have to be a king. You don't have to be a queen. Just go to westpointtb.com. You can learn more about West Point Thoroughbreds. West Point got a win over the weekend with Vava breaking her maiden in fine style at Churchill Downs, trained by Cherie DeVoe. The daughter of Gunrunner was a $280,000 Keeneland September purchase last year for West Point Thoroughbreds and partners. We'll be right back after these messages from West Point Thoroughbreds
5: all the thrills, fraction of the bills, experience the power of the partnership, change your life, make new friends, and compete at the highest level of thoroughbred racing. West Point Thoroughbreds, the gold standard in racing partnerships. Visit westpointtb.com.
2: Backstretch workers are the backbone of the thoroughbred racing industry. Without them, racing would not be possible. The New York Racetrack Chaplaincy provides vital programs and services to all the workers and their families, like sponsor a family, the food pantry, as well as other recreational activities and events. You can help by visiting our website and donating today. Every dollar makes a difference to those who give everything to the sport that we love.
0: Well, this week's Remy Bullock cartoon is in and it's that time of year. It's cold and the horses are starting to get their big winter coats and all these famous horses out in a field. They're all shaggy and they're looking around and they don't recognize anybody. They can't even tell who they are. So check out Remy's cartoon. It always runs in Friday's TDN. Well, that's a wrap on this week's TDN Riders Room. want to thank Zoe Cabin. want to thank Randy Moss. want to thank our guest, Peter Eckebert, our Green Group guest of the week, Len Green of the Green Group. Our producer, Patty Wolf, our associate producer, Katie Petruniak, and our editors, Aaliyah LaRocca and Anthony LaRocca. We'll see you next week.